Good morning. How is everyone? Good. Are you awake? Good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we have an announcement from our board this morning, so I am going to have Jane come, and she's going to give you an update. Good morning, everybody. It's so wonderful to see everybody on this beautiful, almost fall morning we have out there. Um, I know it's a busy, busy weekend for um, Labor Day weekend, but thank you so much for coming and worshiping us, with us together. Um, we have a really exciting kickoff, I guess you'd say, of getting ready for our pastoral search. And on your chairs are some forms that um, our church family can begin filling out. And you've got a couple weeks. We just need to have them in by September 19th so you can take them home and think about them or sit there and, and uh, fill them out today if you want. You can put them in the offering plate, or I'm um, not the plate, but the offering box back there in the lobby or turn them into the office or take them home and bring them back next Sunday. But at any rate, um, try to get them back to us because we so much want to hear your thoughts and um, ideas of what you'd like to see in a new pastor. Another form we have available in the office is um, if you have uh, anybody, a Nazarene pastor that you know anywhere, that you'd like to uh, nominate or suggest that we um, look into that might be interested in coming here, you ha also have that option to be able to do that. Um, any, I'll, I'll be out back in the uh, office area most Sundays. Uh, if anybody has any questions or you just want to ask anything, Cliff is often out in the lobby area from the board that he is available to answer questions. And um, you can always catch Pastor Scott too and Lori. And please feel free to ask questions like what's going on or what what's happening and such and such. We'd be really happy to to visit with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Gotcha. <laughs> All right, and just a couple more announcements. We're going to get business out of the way so we can enjoy Jesus without being distracted later. So uh, this morning, I wanted to make sure that everyone's aware, we are now opening the garage door to the office, that garage door that slides up, and it says Welcome Center above it. That is where you can get information. If you need any information, Jane King's going to be back there most of the time, and then we might have a couple other people that are back there, but we want to make sure it's consistent information, that if you have anything that you have questions on, you can go back there. If you're new, we want to welcome you, so please go back there. We have a welcome bag for you. If you didn't get one on your way in, we just want to make sure everybody feels welcome and informed. So back there um, where the garage door is, that's where we're going to keep Jane for a while. So we're excited about that. And then also wanted to let you guys know, Women of Grace starts September 9th on Thursday from 10 to 11.30. It's going to be a great time for women to get together and pray and focus on Jesus and just really have some time together to um, fellowship and encourage one another. Another opportunity that you have women on September 18th, there is a women's tea. You can see Barbara Fritz about that. We also have some printouts um, in the back on the table by the sound booth if you'd like more information on that. And then our fall family festival is going to be on October 9th. This is for the kids. It's going to be an awesome time. 
um, and you can see McKinsey for more information on that. And then save the date. Write down September 26th. It's a special date on Sunday morning. We'll give you more information later. It's just a teaser this morning. So just to let you know that, let's welcome the Holy Spirit in. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for you being just so awesome. Thank you for waiting for us to wake up. Thank you for breathing air in our lungs again. And Lord, we want to ask your Holy Spirit to not just move in this place, but we want you to take over. We want you to be the star this morning. You're all that matters here today. And Lord, we just want your spirit to move in and through us. Lord, we have given you this morning already, and we want you to just feel welcome here. So come in. Come into us individually. Some of us have had really busy mornings. Some of us have had um, exhausting mornings or feeling pretty tired. But Lord, we know that this time with you is special. So we ask you to take over from here, that we please you with our worship, with our hearts, with our minds, and Lord, with our thoughts, as well as the words that come out of our mouth. I pray we will sing at the top of our lungs to you, and that we'll be free to do so, because we love you so much. So this is your morning, Lord. Thank you for letting us worship you in public and to be free to do so here. We love you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and worship. There's revival and spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah. And it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel song. Oh, once you choose it, you can lose it. Cause there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got a heart overflowing cause been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Oh, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy in the valley. That I wonder, turn the mountains, but I can't climb. Oh, you are near me, never leave me. There ain't nothing, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation, and it's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing cause I've been restored There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy No, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy Oh, 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 oh Clap your hands God. 
got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation and it's beautiful. I got an old church choir singing in my soul. I got a sweet salvation. It's beautiful. I've got a heart overflowing because I've been restored. There ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Oh, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Oh, there ain't nothing gonna steal my joy. Would you turn to someone and greet them? If they're new, make them feel welcome, and you can catch your breath. Wow. Well, I got some scripture I'm going to share with you guys this morning. I was asking him to give me something to share with you. We have a whole book full of things, and I couldn't decide. And I literally walked out here and opened my book. I said, Lord, what is it? And what did he do? He showed it to me. So isn't this awesome? This is in Psalm 33, starting with verse 13. And it says, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts. So he understands everything they do. Isn't that awesome to know that? He looks down and he sees you and he made your heart and wove it together. He knows exactly where you're at and what is going on. And I just think that's so wonderful to remember with him. So let's continue to worship and praise him.
about being born again. I need you. Oh God, I need you. So take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh God, I need you. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of a symphony in my ears. Like holy water on my Absolutely. Truth. Yes. How about victory? He's victorious over what? Everything. Right? He sets a plan in place and it's accomplished every time. It's so wonderful when we can think of those things and remember. It's good to remember because when we remember, then that increases our faith. To know he's, a, he's able to do whatever he needs to. He can do all things. Right? Amen? Amen. 
There is no doubt Cause I have seen Your faithfulness My fortress Over and over I have a Over and over
we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to take communion in the middle of our worship set. So we're going to start preparing our hearts for it with this song. And then Pastor Tim will come up and we'll take the elements. And then we will continue to worship him. Jesus 
kind of a cup. If you didn't get one when you came in, I've had some ushers that are going to be moving about you and giving you the opportunity. If you'll just put your hand up, they'll make sure that you have opportunity to receive one of these as well. Let me ask you, when, when you walk into this sacred space and you see this cup and you know that sometime in the service today, We'll be sharing communion together. Don't answer me, but what do you think? When you walk in and you see this, it's like a reminder that something about today is a little bit different than most of the other Sundays. And some of you come in and you probably see the little cup and you think, awesome. I have opportunity again today to celebrate life in Christ through his broken body and his shed blood. And some of you, when you come in, you perhaps think, oh, well, we're going to do that again. I guess we do it every four weeks or so. So I can do it one more time. And some of you come in and you see that, and I'm guessing that you think, oh, no. Are we doing that again? Because it troubles you when in reality it is to encourage you. You see, I, I have the feeling that sometimes when we do this, it has lost its it has lost its majesty and its mystery because we do it often enough that it has become a part of just something that we do down at the church. Some places call communion Eucharist, the Eucharist. Maybe you've heard that term before. We'll be celebrating and receiving the Eucharist. Do you know what Eucharist means? It means thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So when we take the cup and the bread... It is a time for us to remember the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, but it is a time for us to give Him thanks. Most of you have been here often enough, and you've worked with this little cup long enough to know 
that there are two tabs on the top. One of them is clear. Pull that one first. That will give you access to the little wafer. If you pull the purple one first, you'll have a cup in this hand and a wafer in the other hand that is sandwiched between two pieces of plastic that now you can't hold in order to separate. Please open that first tab and take out that wafer as I read to you and prepare to receive. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Would you take this now and eat it? in remembrance and in gratitude for Him. Now if you pull that second tab. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Take this now, drink it, and be grateful. Almighty God, for some of us this is a ritual. For some of us perhaps it is uh, less than that. But for many of us, it is what our gospel hinges upon. Your death, your resurrection, your ascension. Father, today we give you thanks for the opportunity to share in this moment with you as you did with those first disciples. So we receive these elements today with thanksgiving for salvation for your faithfulness, for your gentleness, for your presence in our life. Father, when we go from this place today in a while, may there still be some lingering thought and understanding of that which we have done here today. We have received Eucharist. We have given thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.
Precious to stand before you. We are grateful, Lord, that we can come to you for anything. We are so thankful that we get to stand here before your throne here on earth, Lord. Lord, I pray that our hearts are open to you today. I pray that we're teachable. And there's someone here that's just exhausted, Jesus. Would you lift them up? Let them know that you're holding them, Lord, that you haven't forgotten, that you're there for the whole march through the battle, 
through the wounding. Lord, we're grateful that you see us. You are a God who sees. Father, I pray that you will continue to move this morning. We love you with all of our hearts. And sometimes we can only lay out just a little bit because we are just weary. But Lord, we are your people. And we will never give up. Help us to be strong. Help us to believe. Help us in our weakness and help us with our faith, Lord. Just like Paul prayed. That's us too. Lord, we love you. This morning is about you. And we thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward so we can continue with our worship through our giving. So they will come up. I want to remind you of the prayer cards on your chairs. If you guys need prayer, we want to pray for you. You can give them to me after the service or put them in the offering box outside. If you need extra time, that's fine. But let's just thank him for the gifts that he's given us. So, Lord, thank you for how you provide for us. Even when it's tough, you always seem to come in at the last minute. So we thank you for that. And I pray that you will take these offerings, Jesus, with joy from the giver. That we get to do this. We get to give to you. So bless it, we ask you, Father. And we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you can put your joyful offering up here and then you're dismissed to meet Miss McKenzie in the back. Good morning. You doing okay? I hope you are. <clears throat> we have been in a series for about two weeks, I guess that makes it a series on the uh, parables. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you, it's just one verse, but you can go to Matthew chapter 5 and look to verse 5. Or you can trust me that I'm going to tell you exactly what it says there, the way it says it. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, I think, that on occasion Jesus would begin a parable with the word suppose. And sometimes he used that word when the story he was going to tell may not necessarily have been something that actually happened but he is setting the stage for something that he's going to teach by using that little disclaimer at the beginning. So let me use that this morning. Suppose that somewhere in the great forests of Colorado there was a wonderful stand of pine trees. And in that stand of trees on one particular day some of those majestic pines began to talk to one another. And one of them, uh, as they started talking, they 
were beginning to think about what they would like to be someday, knowing that they probably would not be allowed to stand in that forest forever. And so as they talked about what their dreams might be, of what they might become, one of them looked at the other and he said, others and he said, you know, one day when the woodcutters come here, I'd like for them to take me someplace to a lovely wood shop where I could be cut into boards just the right size and turned into a beautiful, lovely cradle so that I could hold children as they grow. Those first months especially when they're so soft and so tender and they either smell wonderful or they don't smell so good. But I would just like to be able one day to be a cradle. One of the other trees spoke up and said, you know, that's a wonderful thing to aspire to. But if I had my druthers, when the woodcutters come and they take me out of here, it would be my greatest dream to be turned into a great ship one day. A boat that would travel from port to port, taking wonderful products, food for people or dry goods that they may need. That would be my brother. And the third one listened to them and he said, you know, those are wonderful things. And I can understand why you would feel that way. And I may be thought of as being selfish, but I must tell you, rather than being cut down and taken out of here, I would prefer to be allowed to just stand here across the decades and continue to point people to God. And the years passed. And one by one, the woodcutters came. And that first tree became a hay trough in a dark cave. And he was critical and he was complaining. He was saying, why would I be put here? All I wanted was to just be something as simple as a cradle, a cradle that would hold young children close to me. That's all I wanted to be. And his attitude was rather poor and eventually came to the place where God said to him, wait a minute, I want to show you something. And he did. One night a couple came to that cave and light shone. And angels sang. And a baby was placed in that hay trough. And the tree said, in all of my dreaming, I never thought of being a cradle for the Son of God. The second tree became a smelly fishing boat. And the sun was hot. And the fish were sticky and stinky. And the tray the tree began to complain about all in the world he ever wanted to be was some magnificent vessel that would carry goods to people in far-off ports. But God said, wait a minute, I want to show you something. And he did. And there was a day when a man by the name of Jesus stood and preached from that boat. And that little boat had never heard words like those before. And on another day, Peter took that little boat out to sea and caught this great multitude of fish. And the little boat said, In all my dreaming, I never thought it possible to carry this kind of cargo. 
And the third tree became a cross and was heartbroken. And the hurt was so deep. He only wanted to stay in the forest and do what he had done all of his life and point people to God. And God said to him, wait a minute. I want to show you something. And he did. That tree was carved and cut and hewn into a cross. And a man was put on that cross. And darkness came upon the face of the earth. And the cross heard one of the soldiers say, Surely this was the Son of God. And he thanked God. Because for all generations to come, whenever anyone wants to find God, they look to the cross. And the cross points them there. But God doesn't just care about trees. And yet sometimes we make God compete with our fantasies. We think about the way things used to be or the way things never will be, or the way things could have been, or might have been. And we become so involved in our own dreams and our own desires that we really don't get the full view of what God has in store for us. So that sometimes He has to pause and say, wait a minute, I want to show you something. The story of those trees is a pretty good parable about acceptance and submission. And it illustrates perfectly, I think, what is meant by meekness. The meek, oh, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Have you noticed that there is a progression in these beatitudes? The first one talks about being poor in spirit, unworthiness. The second one talks about blessed are those that mourn, those who are burdened over sin, both their own and that of their neighbor. And now we come to this one, and it talks about meekness. Perhaps, at least to me, it seems that it's only natural that those first two steps bring us to a sense of meekness. And some of us here this morning, you're not saying it out loud, but some of you are thinking, wait a minute, preacher, I'm not interested in being meek. That's not high on my list of things that I aspire to. But maybe you're, maybe God would say, wait a minute, and I'll show you something. If we spend some time looking at that word, because the word is meekness, not weakness. We are part of an exciting language. You know that. We are part of a language that changes on us. It is a living language. Even I can remember when the word gay meant something besides sexual orientation. I can remember when flip-flops were called thongs. Not anymore. Meek is a word that we need to get acquainted with. We think of meek as being weak. We speak of someone as being a meek little man. But when we read the Word, we see that those who were called meek 
we're not necessarily a weak little person. And we realize that somewhere in the process of a couple of millennia at least, the definition must have changed. We say we know what meekness is. It is weakness. It is softness. It is gentleness. To, to, to be meek is to be something less than a person, less than a man. It is to be lame. It is to be passive. It is to be yielding. A meek person, for most of us in our definition, is a doormat upon which people wipe their feet. A meek person is a timid soul living in mortal fear of of offending someone. I think of a cartoon that I saw. It was on a greeting card. And it had a picture of a guy lying down on an asphalt street. And the caption on the card said, Encumbered by low self-esteem, Bob took a job as a speed bump. Well, that's the way some of us envision the whole idea of being meek. But nothing could be further from the truth or further from the biblical use of the term. It is used particularly to describe two individuals. One of those is Moses. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, Moses was very meek above all men who were upon the face of the earth. Moses was very meek? I mean, he's the one who defied the the land of Egypt. The other one that we read about is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 29, it says, Jesus is speaking and He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. And yet, He couldn't be broken by the powerful Roman officials or the Roman Empire even when He was being crucified. Neither of those men ever showed the slightest sign of being weak or spiritless or spineless. Both of them seem absolutely fearless in the face of other men and completely surrendered to the will of God. Now, I have a problem. My problem is that the Bible calls these men meek. But their actions and their attitudes don't line up with my definition of what meekness might be. So I must assume that they had a different concept of meek than most of us have. And as I studied that word, I discovered that several different words have been translated meek. And my favorite one in in the French New Testament, the word that is translated in ours as meek, in the French New Testament, it is the word debonair. Hmm. I like that word. Because that word always seemed to me someone who was really smooth. Someone who had it all together. Someone who knew what was going on. Blessed are the debonair, for they shall inherit the earth. (laughs) Oh, those French. You can't trust them. (laughs) Debonair. The Greek word means 
goodwill toward men and reverent obedience toward God. And that puts a, this beatitude in a different realm. And now I see that meekness is yieldedness to God. It is submission to His will. It is preparedness to accept whatever He may give. Readiness to take the lowest place if He asks us to. So simply put, meekness is submission to the will of God. Blessed are the meek. Those who are submitted to the will of God. So we could give it a new definition. If you're writing things down in your notes there, just write this down. Meekness is power under control. Jesus wasn't preaching a sermon here about weakness. He was preaching about willingness, about submission to God. And we learn this kind of meekness from Jesus who said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek. I still like to think of him as being debonair. Listen, when we are yoked with Christ, we come under his control, his guidance, his pacing. And I am told that in ancient times, a training yoke was used to train a new animal, an oxen. And the heavy end was carried by an older animal who had to take the weight and the responsibility of the burden. And that the trainee, all he had to do was to keep pace, to go in the same direction and not pull off to the other side. God wants to use that same technique with us. We are yoked with Him through Christ. And we let Him carry the weight of those burdens and we make sure we're just in harness with Him. And when I read that story, it reminded me, and some of you have done this and you will, you'll know where I'm going with this. When I was a little boy, we lived out in the country. And I loved my father and I admired my father and I wanted to be like my dad and I would ask him if I could help him. And you remember this kind of story because I've read it somewhere else as well. One day he was carrying water in a galvanized bucket and I said, can I help you with that? And he said, sure, I'm just a little guy. And he went and got something like a broomstick and he put it through the bale of that bucket. And he said, you get on that end of it and I'll be down here. But he put the bucket clear down here by his hand. I'm walking along over here. I'm just carrying a stick. But I feel like I'm helping him. I'm in harmony with him. I'm walking with him. And most of the time, when we're going through difficult times, God, our Heavenly Father, is carrying this into the stick with the bucket on it. And He's saying, you just carry the stick and follow me and stay in pace with me. And I'll get you there. Meekness is learned by being yoked with Christ. For on the cross where He took the worst that men could give Him, He held His head so high that even the admiration of the Roman legionary was kindled toward Him. And I have witnessed that kind of meekness. The church that I pastored in Denver... Um, I had been there quite some time, I guess, when Dave and Sue started attending the church. 
they had two boys with severe learning disabilities. When the first boy was born, it became obvious to them that he had been born with this incredible handicap. And they were saddened by that, but delighted that he was in their life. A couple of years later, she was pregnant again, gave birth to another son who had the exact same issue. And I watched those boys grow from about this size until now they're as tall or taller than I am. And they had trouble communicating. And their emotions were all over the charts. And there were all kinds of issues with them. But I watched Dave and Sue stand up to that test and love those boys and care for them and keep them as part of their family. They walked with those boys in meekness. One day during the uh, Olympics, I had the idea that I would put three podiums on the platform and I would have some people come and we would put a gold medal around their necks for what they have done or had done in the life of our church. And the people that I gave the gold medal to was Dave and Sue for the way they care for those boys. I had someone else with a bronze medal and someone else with a silver. But when I announced that Dave and Sue, I was giving them the gold. And I asked them to come and stand on that center platform. That congregation stood as one to cheer and clap and whistle. And it was this amazing moment celebrating people who had walked with meekness, submitted to the will of God. People who have the yoke of Christ upon them learn the art of being meek, not weak. I want to tell you, Dave and Sue, two of the toughest people I know, not on your life were they weak. They were meek, submissive. Now, let me encourage you to realize that it is submission not suicide. You see, there are those who seem so headstrong that they feel like submission is akin to taking an overdose of something. If I have to be submitted. But this beatitude expresses the joy of submission to the will of God. The world says, blessed are the strong who can hold their own. The world says, be assertive. And Jesus says, Acceptance of Him and the will of God would produce the eventual ability, what? To reign with Him. Some wonder, how in the world can the meek inherit the earth? It seems like these days the meek are getting chewed up by it. But inherit means a claim. It means to claim a possession that has been promised by God. Bill Gaither used to remind us of an old song, joint heirs with Jesus as we travel this song, for we're part of the family, the family of God. I am His joint heir. I'm part of that family because I submit when I submit to the will of God. God's will for us is our testing ground for meekness. 
And we need to rehearse, I guess, in the little things of life. For there was another, is another Gaither song, and the hook in it is, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. The Hebrew word that is translated meek really means to be molded. Molded by whom? Molded by God. God the Creator is not looking for some creative personality, but for people He can use, clay that He can mold, dust that He can breathe into and cause to live. And so we would sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me how? After Your will, while I am yielded, waiting, white waiting, yielded and still. I want to say thank You, Lord, for caring enough to want to mold me. Thank You for showing me that meekness isn't weakness. Help me to learn of You and be submissive to You. Is it too much to ask that of us as individuals? To seek God's will and to submit in the spirit of meekness? Let me take it a step further. Is it too much to ask that for this church? To seek God's will and submit to it in the spirit of meekness. Some of you have already filled out that little... uh, questionnaire about the new pastor I can tell you what I can tell you I can tell you what you want that new pastor to be without ever looking at that sheet you've already decided what you want that new pastor to be you want him to be a good preacher you want him to be a people person you want him to be compassionate You want him to care about folks. You want him to be energetic. You want him to be hopefully somewhere between about 35 and 45 or maybe even as old as 50 years old. You already have a picture of him in your mind. What if that's not God's picture? I don't know what God's picture is. And this is a good exercise for us. But they always turn out exactly the same because we're always looking for the same thing. Someone who will be a leader. Someone who can help us with finances. Someone who can raise money. Someone who loves teenagers. Someone who will love our children. Someone who will care for our parents when they're in the nursing home. We have all of these things that we expect a new pastor to be. And unless he's a miracle worker, he will fail you on many of those. Because he's just a guy like me or you guys. He's just another guy who is trying to be submissive to the will of God. You ever feel like calling a pastor is a crapshoot? You know? 
we pray and we fast and we interview and we look and we write up our profile of what them to be like, what we want them to be like. And then they get here and we've, and then is when we begin to pray. Oh God, let them be everything that we hope they would be. All I'm saying is God's plan for the next person to serve this church might look different than yours. So who wins? Who wins? They used to say when a church is calling a new pastor, they want him to be 25 years old and have 40 years experience. And that's kind of where we are, isn't it? Unless we become a church that will allow ourselves to be meek and submissive to the will of God, So here's the question. Anyone here today strong enough to be meek? In a book titled The Valley of Vision comes this prayer. Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up. That to be low is to be high. That the broken heart is the healed heart. That the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit. That the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. That to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime stars can be seen from the deepest well. And the deeper the wells, the brighter the stars shine. Let me find your light in my darkness your life in my death, your joy in my sorrow, your grace in my sin, your riches in my poverty, and your glory in my valley. Are you strong enough to be meek? Not weak, but meek, submissive, strong enough to be meek. Would you say that with me? Strong enough to be meek. Say it again louder. Strong enough to be meek. God bless you today. These are exciting days in the life of this church because it is exciting and interesting and scary when you're calling a new pastor. You're asking someone to come in here and join your family. And you don't even know them. And you're praying that God in His majesty and His mystery will pull all of the pieces together and make it work. And most of the time He does. Strong enough to be submissive to Him. To let Him. Here's what, I, here's what I say often. God's already got somebody selected. I think God already knows. It's just up to us to hang on until He tells you. 
there is someone out there already whose life is feeling a little unsettled, who is beginning to, and I'm assuming that it will be a guy, but it may be a lady these days, which is fine with me. But he's feeling unsettled, and he's talking to his wife about it and wondering if maybe it's about time we make a change. And he has no idea that you're in the process of looking for a pastor. But he will. It won't be long, and it might be soon. It won't be long, and it might be soon. If we're strong enough to be meek. Say it with me one more time. Strong enough to be meek. Let's stand together. Almighty God, Lord, what do you do with all of this stuff I've shared with these people this morning? I don't know if it hit anyone. Maybe this sermon was more of a shotgun than a rifle. But Father, I pray that somehow whatever you wanted to say found the ears of those you wanted to hear it today. Father, you are gracious and you are merciful and you are tender and you are compassionate and you do care. You do care about this Woodland Park Church more than any of us who are standing here right now. And so, Father, it becomes easier for us to be submissive to you in this process. If you take us on a turn that we hadn't imagined, down a road that we hadn't uh, even dreamed of. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. Our future is in your hands. And we will do our best to be meek in the process. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and give you peace. The Lord bless you. You are dismissed. God bless.